Welcome to yet another excellent episode of How to Win Friends and Influenza, a podcast all about life in medicine. I'm your host, Lily. Now in this episode, we're talking about a really, really exciting specialty in medicine, and it's that of geriatrics. Yes, aged care medicine. Now it's really interesting because the patients in it range all the way from, let's say, from Dumbledore-like specimens of fantastic wisdom to the other end of the spectrum where they may be slightly or maybe significantly more confused and with somewhat less capacity. So it's a very diverse specialty and I'm happy to have on the show, Dr. Chris, welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Lily. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. And could you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm a geriatrician. I, I finished my, my training about two years ago. Um, I kind of had a bit of a roundabout path getting here. Um, to start without a medical school, I actually thought I wanted to be a surgeon, believe it or not. Um, went through a bit of training, focused on that, then ended up falling into critical care, then ended up falling into basic physician training. Got through my exams, didn't know what I wanted to do, did a bit of gastro, and well, here I am finally in geriatrics, and I think I've really found my niche. Yeah, that's excellent. So it sounds like you've had a little bit of everything and you found that geriatrics is the, the true light. What is it that you like about it? Look, I, I think I'm a generalist at heart. I think mm. the fact that I couldn't really choose what I wanted to do kind of showed that I, I, I like a bit of everything in medicine. And, and I think the great thing about geriatrics is, is it's got that. You look after every kind of problem, every kind of body system. Um, you've got the challenge of multiple comorbidities in a lot of your patients where you're trying to juggle heart disease versus kidney failure versus, um, look, who knows what else. Um, so I, I think it's medicine where you got to think. It's not just about following a protocol, but you're kind of weighing up pros and cons and pardon the pun, but there's a lot of gray area in geriatrics. <laughs> ah, good. Very well played. And Perfect. if I could think of a pun in response, I would say it but I can't so let's move on and talk a little bit more about geriatrics what is the definition of it it's it's this sort of vague age range let's say Hmm. in the evening of life but is there a strict cutoff so look I don't think there really is a strict cutoff I think the cutoff might depend a bit from hospital to hospital Um, sometimes there's a bit of overlap with general medicine as well in terms of what people look after Um, Generally, in, in Sutherland Hospital, where we are, um, it's, it's about if, there's, if someone has a dementia diagnosis, um, that would make them a, a patient that would be looked after by geriatrics. If they live in an aged care facility, uh, definitely if, if they're in their late 80s, in their 90s, if they're a centenarian, then geriatrics should be the team looking after them. Um, we, we tend to... Uh, look after younger people who might have an early onset dementia, who might have developmental delay, who might be Indigenous um, as well, just because we know that these people do become frail and pick up more comorbidities along the way as well. Um, so is there a specific cutoff? No. Uh, and generally we end up being a team that, that kind of takes the patients other teams mm. reject. <laughs> That's very accepting. All right. Just from your own experience, what's the youngest and the oldest patients that you've come across? Look, the oldest, I've looked after a 107-year-old who uh, grew up in Sydney and remembers a time where she was playing in the cow paddocks in what's now very much suburban Sydney. Mm. Um, 
The youngest person I've looked after um, would be a, a, a lady who had a young onset dementia in her 30s, which was, was really quite tragic. Um, so big age range. I've, look, I've, I've been asked to consult on um, 18-year-olds as a geriatrician. Wow, um, yeah. With, with uh, developmental delay and, and issues there. Um, I mean, but, they are quite old for paediatrics, so I guess they're the geriatrics of paediatrics at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so look, with the, uh, but I, I guess geriatrics are a fairly inclusive bunch, mm. um, but I guess our principles are about, um, look, holistic medicine, looking at the big picture for people, weighing up the pros and cons of different treatment options, and I, I think that fits in with a lot of different health problems for people. Yeah. On that note of being very general and having a wide range of presentations, we've got an exciting game to play this this episode, and it's called Categories. I think when you're a kid, you might play this game, maybe because you can't think of anything else to play and you don't really need a pencil and paper or any kind of equipment. But this game is called Categories, and it's basically we pick a topic and we both alternate between saying something from that topic until one of us dies, gives up, or cannot think of anything else. And today the category is reasons that someone presents to hospital for geriatrics review. So, Dr. Chris, would you like to start off? Okay, well, I'll start with a simple one, fall. Ooh, good one. I will say fall with syncope. Oh, okay. I'm going to have delirium up there. Ooh, well, I'm going to stick with falls and say fall with right clavicle fracture. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to say shortness of breath. And I'm going to say fall with left humerus fracture. I, see, I think you've got a bit of a recurring <laughs> theme there. Um, I'm going to say urinary frequency. Fall with neck of femur fracture. Oh, that, which is a nasty one. Um I'm going to put out there the controversial acopia, which is a term I hate. But a term that you've used. All right, so let's get away from the falls theme. How about um, nausea from diabetic medications? Yeah, what about hypoglycemic episode? Ooh, uh, unexplained weight loss, query malignancy. Uh Uh-huh, seizure. Good one. Uh, Symptomatic anemia sent in by GP. Uh Uh-huh, abdominal pain. Urinary tract infection. Constipation. Okay, I think Dr. Chris wins. But <laughs> <laughs> the point here is there's a wide variety of presentations. It's really not just all falls, as much as we might joke about that. Although falls are very serious, we shouldn't joke about them. So it's a very general um, area of medicine. And I think that makes it interesting, but also difficult at the same time, mm. because you kind of don't know what's going to come next. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I think as well as the generalist aspects of um, geriatrics, there's also more focused areas as well. Um, and I think cognition and dementia and um, the management of some of the behavioural psychological symptoms of dementia are a really challenging, interesting part of geriatric medicine. There's the growing area of perioperative care as well. So um, how do we look after elderly people, people with comorbidities, people with with frailty as they're planning an operation and and what's the best way we can get them through an operation well? And part of that's orthogeriatrics. Um, So I think that there's growing areas of subspecialty in geriatrics that... um, look, uh, are only expanding. I, I think there's plenty of work in geriatrics. We've got an aging population as well. So yeah, look, at it's, it's, you've got the contrast of being a general specialty, but with real things you can focus on, on as well. So I, again, look, I, I think it can appeal to people for a few reasons. Yeah, and what exactly is the aim of geriatrics? Because I remember sitting in a talk once from a geriatrician who had a view and a very nice graph about how 
we are trying to get people to have a very good quality of life to an extended age, let's say 100, 150, you know, mm. something very high. And then at some point, we just want them to die very suddenly and very peacefully so that we don't get overpopulation in the world. Yeah, look, I don't know if, <laughs> if avoiding overpopulation is the main driving factor, but look, I don't know if any of you guys have seen those graphs um, which kind of look at trajectory of people through illness and, and as they die. Mm. Um, and I guess there's people with chronic illness who tend to have a, a long period of frailty and, and decreased function and, and all the distress and um, frustration that goes along with that and, and uh, then eventually die after a long period of illness. I guess we're, we're trying to avoid that, but we're trying to maintain people's independence, their function, their quality of life. And then when they are reaching the end of their life that we're recognising that mm. and giving them good comfort care, good palliation, um, so that they can maintain their independence and then minimise their suffering as much as possible. I guess that'd be a, a big goal of geriatric medicine. Yeah, a little bit like that Shakespearean quote where we talk about how people go through different phases of life in the play of life. So mm. it's recognising those different phases. And yeah. now that I've quoted Shakespeare, I think I'm entitled to quote something a little less intellectual, which is going to be Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'm referring, of course, to the book of that name and the original movie, but not the new movie because that one's kind of creepy and I think it's the stuff to inspire nightmares. So Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So if you haven't read or watched it, it is, as the name implies, about a boy called Charlie. He goes to a chocolate factory. Sorry if that's a spoiler. And at the beginning, if I recall correctly, he lives with his parents and his four grandparents in a little house. So the thing with his grandparents is that they're all essentially bed bound. But Grandpa Joe, upon hearing that they get free tickets to this magical chocolate factory, is suddenly able to mobilize and even walk around the chocolate factory, even able to fly with the assistance of this magic potion. So some of that is maybe not realistic. For one thing, that, you know, that fizzy drink doesn't exist yet. If it did, that would be great. And the second thing is you can't quite jump from being, say, bedbound or having quite decreased mobility to just suddenly being okay. So in geriatrics, that's quite a big concern. It's, it's a bit you know, stereotypical to say everyone will have reduced mobility, but on the balance of probabilities from what I've seen of geriatrics, it seems that you can be assured that mobility is a big concern for a lot of people. So how does that affect your practice? Well, look, to start with, Lily, I'll, I'll take umbrage with, you, with the fact that you've said that the first movie and the book of Charlie and the Chocolate mm. Factory aren't creepy because I think four grandparents sharing a bed, that's a little bit creepy, <laughs> a little bit that's weird. That's true. Um, but no, you're right. We, we know that periods of immobility, look, even even for, for fit, healthy people, if you spend a couple of days in bed, you're going to lose muscle strength. Um, and that's only amplified as we get older, that we don't hang on to muscle. And that's one of the challenges of geriatric medicine. Even if someone's unwell in hospital for a few days, they end up being weaker. Um, weaker with their walking, weaker with their day-to-day -day function. Even little things like how they swallow can be affected just by a couple of days of illness. Um, we know as well that people uh, are more vulnerable to being delirious, confused when they're unwell. Um, and that can take its toll, that people don't bounce back easily from even simple illnesses as we get older. Um, so, look, part of it's avoiding that deconditioning that decline in health to start with but then the other parts helping people recuperate after the fact and if they can't recuperate um, addressing the care needs that they'll have after that that decline in their health 
Yeah, it's definitely a different consideration from some of the other areas of healthcare. For example, if, if you're in surgery and you've got a kid who's just had his appendix out, and you know that may not be as much a concern. So definitely some different considerations. Another one being polypharmacy. You could have lots and lots of medications. You could have people on nothing, but you could also have lots of medications. And I think that's where the whole multidisciplinary team comes in, those magical buzzwords that every student gets taught to say in their spoken exams. They sound like they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But it's actually very relevant in geriatrics. So friends of medicine, allied health, so things like occupational therapy, social work, dietitian, speech pathology, and of course, physiotherapy. So in geriatrics, there's a lot more immersion with that. So it may not be for everyone is my guess, because as you mentioned, there's a holistic view. So thinking of the patient as a person, and having a lot more involvement in the social and rehabilitation side of things, even if it comes to it. So what kind of personalities do you think this specialty suits? Look, I think geriatrics is is good for people who like communicating, who like teamwork, um, who like a challenging situation where there is no easy solution. Um, I think if you're the kind of person who look wants to get in there and solve things straight away. I think there can be frustrations with geriatric medicine because there's a lot that you can't fix. Um, look, I, I think you, you got to love a good chat. Um, listening to old time music, maybe being a fan of 2CH <laughs> if you're in Sydney. Um, but again, being able to connect with people across different generations. Um, look, I, I, I think they're, they're good skills to have in geriatric medicine. If you want to call the shots and, and kind of be, um, I guess, a, a bit of a, a lone ranger, again, I think that's a bit harder in, in geriatric medicine as well because you, you do depend more on nursing staff, on physios and occupational therapists, on social workers to work together to come up with a plan. And it often needs a few people to work out a complex plan for a complex situation. Right. What do you think attracts most people to geriatrics? Look, I think I think a lot of people don't think about geriatrics. Um, I, I think it's not really on people's radar. Um, often our experience through training is that geriatrics is just, um, it's a busy term. There's a lot of patients to look after. And I think it can be unsatisfying, particularly from a junior um, or a, a doctor in training's perspective. Um, I think what should appeal to people about geriatrics, look, um, I think there's plenty of work around. I think it's interesting work. I think there's variety in that work as well. And you can really make yourself a bit of a niche. Um, I mean, there's also kind of medical legal areas and and areas bordering on on psychiatry. My uh, father-in-law always says that geriatricians are glorified social workers as well. (laughs) Um, So I think there's a lot of different things that can appeal to people in geriatrics. The other good things about geriatric medicine is you're not going to be called into hospital at two o'clock in the morning. Um, Look, when you are on call, sure, you're giving phone advice for people, but there are a few emergencies where you have to be there on site. And so for lifestyle reasons, I think that that's helpful uh, for a lot of people. Um, I think at the end of the day, the thing that I find the most satisfying about geriatrics is improving someone's quality of life in a difficult situation, um, easing someone's suffering just a little bit, making their days easier, that can be really satisfying. Um, and, and so I think there is a lot of satisfaction in the care that you give people in geriatrics. I think, I think those are excellent reasons. And especially with the last part, easing someone's suffering, you could argue that that's 
true in all areas of medicine, but from what I've experienced of geriatrics, it really feels like the, the marginal benefit that you bring to patients there is a lot bigger because it really does make a, a huge difference in someone's life. If, for example, if mobility, walking is an issue, just getting them up again is is such a big step. It's like a little kid walking for the first time, you know, their, their first step is so much more powerful than, oh, the 10,000 steps that you, you would take as an adult later on. So that's a huge reason. So we've talked about what kind of people might prefer to stay away from geriatrics. And now let's say the best part uh, for this part of the discussion, what makes a good geriatrician? What kind of qualities? Yeah, look, I think, I think geriatricians need to have a bit of lateral thinking. Um, sometimes the solution to a problem isn't the obvious. Um, for instance, I, I had a, a patient in a nursing home who was agitated and unsettled. Um, and, and sometimes our go-to response is trying medications and, and seeing if that can kind of dampen down some of that distress and, and restlessness. Um, this bloke kept on wanting to go downstairs to feed his horses. Um, he, Did he have horses? He used to have horses, oh, okay. but there were no horses in this okay. nursing home. Right. But two o'clock in the morning, he'd want to go downstairs and feed the horses. And when the nursing staff tried to bring him back up mm. to the room, he got very upset because these poor horses were suffering. Mm. Um, his room was decorated with loving photos from home to make it a, a, a bit more familiar to him. But most of those pictures were of horses. And the solution for this bloke was actually to take down the horse pictures <laughs> and then he didn't have that reminder that there were horses around to be right. fed and he became so much more settled. So I, I think the lateral thinking can be a helpful thing in geriatrics. Look, again, I, I talked about communication skills being an important thing. Um, look, I, I think you need to know a, a lot about broad aspects of medicine and surgery as well. So I think um, broad experience, broad learning is helpful for geriatrics. Um, I think they'd be the, the main strengths that, that a good geriatrician should have. Yeah, I think that story is really awesome. And also maybe that gives people tips for, you know, if they're trying to exercise, exercise more and lose weight or something, take down those pictures of those cakes. I, I don't know. Like, that sounds like good advice. But I, so I like that story. It's, it's really quite feel good. But does it ever get a little bit depressing, maybe seeing people with reduced function towards the end of their life? Oh, look, of course it does. I, I think there's, there's a lot that's tragic about... Um, people nearing the end of their life about people suffering. And I think it's important to be empathetic. And I, I think uh, I, I think it's natural to, to suffer along with people and, and I think to carry some of that emotional distress. On the flip side, I, th I think it's, there's something more natural and more comforting about someone who's lived a full life and is dying, someone who might be in their 80s or their 90s. And I think you can take some comfort uh, in that. I, I, for me personally, I think it's more distressing when a young person dies, when the death is more unexpected. So I think there's a lot more that's natural about death and dying in geriatric medicine than might be encountered in other specialties. Yeah. Um, and and by the stage, um, you're quite senior, so you would have seen. I mean, not in that way, you know, not no great amount of jokes or anything. So, Dr. Chris is senior in position in geriatrics, so you would have you know seen a lot of things. And how does it compare being senior in the department versus a junior doctor in training? What is the difference in say mm. lifestyle and exposure to cases? Yep. I think as you move through the training, I think you get more variety in your position. I think there's more flexibility. Um, and I think you get to step back from the day-to-day 
kind of mundane tasks of writing notes, charting medications, charting fluid, answering pages. I don't carry a pager anymore, um, which is wonderful. But every time I hear a pager go off, I still have that flinching <laughs> action. Um, I think as, as you become a geriatrician, as you move into those senior levels, you've got that variety. So my week involves seeing people in clinics, seeing people on the hospital wards, maybe a bit of time on call, sometimes uh, meetings within the hospital about falls prevention, about end of life care. Look, for some people that might appeal to them, to others not, but it's all about making a bigger picture difference to the way we look after people. I work in a few nursing homes as well. I visit people in their homes. I think there's a lot of variety as you move up to various levels of, of your specialty. I think that's true for geriatrics, but I think that's true for any specialty that you're going to get. Just things are going to be a bit more uplifting and just a, a bit more diverse as you progress in your career. Yeah, and I've been told that you don't really know a person till you've seen their home. So that is a huge variety of work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, some homes you'd rather not see. Um, <laughs> but look, uh, that that's all part of the fun. That right. look, there, There's some people who are so struggling so much at home that you, you go into their home and, and can be a bit shocked and taken aback. Um, but I think when you, can, when you can really make a difference to those people's living situations and um, help them... Uh, when they're already struggling with life, I, th I think that that's a rewarding thing as well. Yeah. And what's the training pathway for geriatrics? Yep. So geriatric medicine, the, the training is through, um, well, initially after your intern and, and resident years, moving into basic physician training. Once you've gotten through the written and clinical exams there, then you can start in advanced training in geriatric medicine. Um, that's a three-year training program. A lot of the requirements of that are similar to um, basic physician training in terms of doing frequent um, uh, clinical assessments. Um, and you've also got one larger research project that's the main assessment of that training. Um, the things that help support you through geriatrics training, um, there's the Australian and New Zealand Society of Geriatric Medicine that run monthly education sessions um, over a variety of topics, kind of fitting with a variety of, of um, issues that geriatricians tackle. Um, and there's also annual conferences where you might get the opportunity to present some of your work or a poster or give a talk. And, and they're, they're yeah, really, really good meetings. Um, then once you've done your time, once you've ticked off all the course requirements, you can be a fully fledged geriatrician and do what you want. Yeah. How exciting. And have you found that it impacts your personal life in any way? Like, are you more, uh, careful when you're walking on bathroom tiles to avoid a slip or, or do you do brain exercises to try and prevent onset of dementia? Oh, look, I, I think some of the preventative <laughs> tips for healthy aging. Um, look, do I follow my own advice? No, but look, keeping physically active. Well, I don't smoke, but I don't know how many of us do these days. It's a bit of a uh, dying breed. Mm. Um, I think, look, good physical exercise, good nutrition um, and good preventative medicine are the best things you can do from that front. But do I do anything special? No. <laughs> All right. And I think positive psychology is a big one. You know, happiness will make you healthy, that kind of thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I, I think I think keeping active as well. I saw a, a news article about a nine-year-old bloke who lives in Crookwell out in rural New South Wales who still delivers the paper every morning. So, yeah, I, I think it's seeing people in the community who are well, who are functioning, not that I met that bloke, but they're... they're Sometimes you, you get a bit downtrodden seeing all these unwell elderly people in hospital. But, but the reality is there's so many people living healthy, fulfilled lives in the community that I don't think you really get exposure to until you get to at least a registrar position or an advanced trainee position. You get to go and see people at home and, and realise, look, there's, there's a lot of good things happening in the community. There's a lot of healthy elderly people um, who are having a great time. Yeah, I think there is that heavy exposure bias in hospital you'll obviously see people who are more unwell but meanwhile there are many people living delighted lives outside which is which is really good to know and very inspiring yeah so lifestyle wise how is it to be a geriatrician look it's good um so look when you're on call you get a few calls um but generally emergency are kind enough not to bother you after midnight um so yeah there's, there's no callbacks into the hospital um Look, you, there's a lot of elderly people, so you're busy, you look after a lot of people, but I, I don't think any of us would go into medicine expecting just to sit around and twiddle our thumbs. Mm. Um, I think it's it's better to have a, a full week than to just, um, yeah, just be waiting for the work to come to you. Um, I, I, I still have time for, look, I've, I've got two young kids, I get to spend a, a good amount of time with them, I get to play soccer on the weekends I get to look apart from the kids go out and have dinner and those kind of things but yeah so look I, I do think there's a, a good balance with geriatrics and and the lifestyle outside of work um, I, I think it's probably a bit of a bit better compared to some of the other specialties in that regard yeah so it sounds like you've given us a really, really excellent view of what geriatrics is and some really compelling reasons to go do it. It sounds very rewarding, very diverse. And let's end with one question, which is what advice would you give to people who are interested in geriatrics? Yeah. If you're interested in geriatrics, um, look, talk to a geriatrician. Um, just get their perspective on the, the things they like out of their job. Look, I'm just one point of view and I think just as geriatrics looks after a diverse range of people, I think there's a lot of diversity in geriatricians themselves. So look, have a chat with someone who's in that role and, and see if it's, it's, a, it's something that would interest you further. Um, if, if you're thinking about getting onto physician training, talk to your director of physician education at, at your um, hospital um, and, and work out the steps that, that you should take to, to get onto those programs and, yeah, go from there. Yeah, and I, th I think if we can learn anything from your inspiring personal journey, don't be afraid to try a lot of things until you find the one that speaks to your heart. Yeah, look, uh, I, I, I tried a few things on the way. I'm, I'm very comfortable with where I ended up. Um, look, you don't have to know where you're going straight out of medical school. Um, and, yeah, look, try before you buy. Don't feel that you've <laughs> got to be locked in. Yeah, so don't be afraid to refund to the shop if it's not satisfactory. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Chris. It's been fantastic having you on the show. No worries. Always a pleasure, Lily. All right. Thank you to the listeners and big shout out to all the geriatricians at Sutherland Hospital and Self Care. Thank you and we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>